1: I'm Jim Mallard, host of The Mallard Report. On The Mallard Report, along with my guest, we will have a conversation where we will share thoughts and opinions. For more information, my bio, past shows, social media links, and so much more, visit mallard.com. M A L L I A R D.com. And thanks for listening. I want to welcome everybody to the report. Before I begin, I've got to mention veritiesapparel.com slash mallard or come over to the website, click their big banner link on my website. Uh, You could save 10% free at U.S. shipping and all sorts of fun things. Um, I can't wait. I'm excited. I can't really talk about it yet, but there's good things coming down the road, hopefully in the next couple weeks. That's veritiesapparel.com slash mallard. Tonight, my guest is Mitchell Cohen, the author of The Fight Against monsanto's roundup the politics of pesticides mitchell how are you doing tonight
0: hey i'm doing fine how are you jim and all the listeners
1: all the listeners waving hello to them oh i am on facebook lives yeah. and i guess i better be careful how far i let put my hand in that camera um <laughs> that was almost bad somebody probably just clicked on and there's a big hand in front of the, anyways um new and improvements as i go through here uh what got, okay, let's rewind a minute. Before, what got you interested in the politics of pesticides?
0: Well, <laughs> what got me interested was about 20 years ago, and I was out in Prospect Park in Brooklyn, New York. It was a beautiful day in September, the end of the summer, and all of a sudden I saw these helicopters, come and they were spraying for West Nile virus and West Nile mosquitoes, supposedly and Mayor Giuliani had ordered this to happen and I realized that it was spraying and there were thousands of people in the park and it's New York City everybody was out little kids playing and running through uh, people lying in the grass and reading or smooching or whatever and so I ran off to get the kids out of the spray because there was there were a couple of police cars but they didn't say anything and I Realized that it would be horrible if the kids were hit with the spray. So I just <laughs> recruited kids to come with me and get all the other kids, but some of them got sprayed and uh, just covered. It was a very low-flying helicopter. And then from that moment, so we called a meeting in uh, our lawyer's office trying to figure out, can we do anything about this? What's going on? and it was in the middle of a hurricane the meeting the next uh... few days later and so we ended up with people there who didn't know each other at all and we all were really concerned about what was going on and so we all taught each other so most of us didn't have all the knowledge at all Uh, we went from zero to sixty in like one day or two days in terms of what we knew about the pesticides and we just educated each other. We all had little pieces of knowledge and we decided to form uh this no spray coalition and we started fighting against the city on it. We got some toxicologists, Dr. Robert Simon, who was fantastic and he helped fill us in on the science and what was going on and then we a lot of us already were activists of one sort or another so we sort of knew how the politics was gonna work and we started testifying at city council hearings and hearing what the other side was saying why they were spraying and we just got more and more involved in it and we set up our website which is nospray.org, dot org and just had loads of information on there and eventually we filed the court case against New York City and it took seven years uh, under the Clean Water Act and several other acts but all the other ones were excluded by the different levels of judge Uh, but they allowed it to go forward under the Clean Water Act thanks to uh, creative lawyering by our lawyer Joel Kupferman from the New York uh, Law and Environmental Justice Project and and also uh and then Bobby Kennedy's group joined later as lawyers when uh, we were up on a higher level of court, and so we filed it, and uh, eventually we judge ruled in our favor that they're not allowed to spray over open. What it was is uh, over open water or navigable waters. So if the spray drifted, which it did. It, that was illegal and the judge ruled it was illegal and the city was contesting that all the way through and the city lost so then they decided that they would well let's settle we would better settle and we achieved a victory about seven years later and we ended up with a settlement in which the city admitted lots of lots of decisions uh... that the spray stays longer in the ground than they thought, that it doesn't, just one thing after another, that people have sprays in their bodies, that it kills the natural predators of the mosquitoes faster than it kills the mosquitoes, that mosquitoes come back, you know, we, <laughs> we got all this stuff uh, admitted to by the city. And the reason why, it's interesting how the politics works, how is that the city administration turned over. So Giuliani was no longer mayor. Now we have a new mayor, Bloomberg, who is no bargain either. And he, as is the current mayor, Mayor De Blasio, who is also continuing to spray. And so it doesn't matter if it's Democrat or Republican; they're all following the same way of thinking and way of approaching so-called problems. And but because it got turned over in the Department of Health with new people, and they were. Into challenging the the people they replaced, and so they actually uh, made all these admissions, which was quite amazing. And so we uh, so that's how we got into it, uh, how we started.
1: There's a key line in there that I heard, though. They continued to spray.
0: Yeah, yeah. They didn't. They didn't stop the spraying. They they did stop spraying supposedly over water. But So we had videos of people being sprayed in the face, pregnant women being sprayed. Uh, but that was deemed okay under various laws, as long as it wasn't over o- under the Clean Water Act, under open bodies of water. So, and we've been fighting that ever since. Uh, we've been mobilizing people. We realize that you don't win in the court by itself that they're going to find ways of getting around court decisions. And they've been doing that, and so we've been challenging them. But, yeah, they're spraying much, much less now, but they're still spraying some. So the first couple of years, they were spraying massive amounts of malathion and then pyrethroids with uh, another component in that was piperonal butoxide, Mouthful. Okay, we all learned this like going through, going through the whole thing, and that was a cancer-causing agent, according to the EPA, and yet they're a component of the sprays. So they sprayed that first couple of years over everything in the city. They sprayed over people sitting outdoors in restaurants, which they don't do anymore. They sprayed it over. Uh, on the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, they sprayed over the Jewish area where people were. Uh, one of the Jewish areas where people were going to synagogue. It was a high holy day, and they got sprayed and created panic in, in the Jewish community. And just different people got sprayed all over the place, and people were made sick, and it causes uh, it could cause cancer. A number of people in the No Spray coalition have died. In the past well in like five years six years after they were sprayed uh, can't say that they died because of the spraying but they had under if they had uh, underlying conditions those were exacerbated and created uh, I think it was seven or eight people of our small group who actually died so it was uh yeah and they're still spraying so and they're using and So, so they're using now. That that was the spraying for mosquitoes, and now they're continuing to spray for glyphosate or Monsanto's Roundup, which is a cousin component of organophosphates that they used back, the malathion that they used back in 1999. So that was one arm of this, and I have a chapter in this book that it goes into all of that and how. The sprays were eventually administered not by the Department of Health, which is what you would think, but by the Office of Emergency Management of New York City, which was a new new organization that was created, and they operated out of the World Trade Center Number 7. This is two years before 9-11. And they... That later became the model for Office of Homeland Security two years later, and the same people involved. And it's almost like it was a trial run in some ways for what was to come later in terms of uh, on a much larger scale. And the organizations that were set up, the uh, uh, camps that were set up for all sorts of uh, people who might be dissenting and yeah, Halliburton actually built these camps. There's a whole politics of this that people are not aware of and how the spraying originally led into some of the 9-11 uh, repression that came down after 9-11 on civil liberties in the United States. So yeah, so that's part of the politics that goes hidden and I try to bring some of that out in the book as well as talking about the dangers of Monsanto's roundup how it was that Monsanto could lie for years and years and years on first on Agent Orange and then on other
1: Wait, I'm uh, not not, this is not an appropriate laugh this is, you've just hit me with two big stones at the same time and my head's probably going to explode Yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the events leading up to nine eleven. There's there's own conspiracy that you know other people can get into about all of that stuff, and then Monsanto and Agent Orange. You just seriously just sandwiched board in my head, and
0: well, the two come together. That's that. I know that's what point. I'm saying. You
1: just just hit me right upside the head with a two by four. Right.
0: right.
1: Yeah. It's okay. So explain. Okay, Monsanto. Okay, aren't they the ones that are behind the uh, modification of food too? Right. Well,
0: yes, that's (laughs) the other main component is the genetic engineering of corn and soy and other types of crops. That they—that's the new technology that has been developed, and that and that they then spray Roundup on it. So these crops are designed to withstand to be saturated with and withstand spraying of Monsanto's Roundup. So they're called Roundup-ready corn and Roundup-ready soy. And you look through the Midwest if you drive through it, and in Iowa and in South Dakota and everywhere there are just go off of miles and miles and hundreds of miles of just monocropped, single-cropped, genetically engineered corn and soy and that's sprayed by monsanto's roundup because the plants are designed to withstand that spray and be saturated by it and that spray meanwhile kills everything else in the soil it kills the earthworms it kills just everything around that around there but the plant itself survives and then we eat it <laughs> unless it's organic you know it organic so far is protected from the sprays of um, pesticides and herbicides. So to protect oneself, you know, that's one level of things is how do you protect yourself? Well, try to eat organic if possible. But also, it's not only about protecting ourselves. It's about a whole politics involved in that. Way of producing food that I, I and others have written about in this book. I gathered a whole bunch of people who are really great, from uh, scientists and activists. And uh, not many people try to combine those in a book, and I try to do that. I think successfully. I was just rereading it, and it's like, oh, this is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew it was interesting, but reading it again, and it's like, hit me again. So part of uh, you know and it raises questions about what is going on in this world why why are they why are they monocropping why are they spraying why are they genetically engineering what does this say about the kind of system that we live in is it just uh monsanto and a couple of companies or is this endemic to the entire way we're living now And these are the type of questions that I raise in the book, and we try to grapple with from different angles. It has to also do with what's happening in the rest of the world, where food is now being used as a weapon. Uh, So that's part of the book also. Uh, Yeah, I'm
1: just just sitting here, as you say, food around the rest of the world. I'm sitting here thinking we have more hungry people now than we probably ever had on the planet.
0: I think so, but I don't think it's because there's not enough food produced. There's plenty of food produced to feed everyone like a couple of times over. The problem is that people have been dispossessed of their land so that the corporations like Monsanto and other giant corporations could then take over their land and produce a single crop on it and so that they could use the genetic engineering and then they could spray it with their pesticide. It's really lucrative for them. They make a ton of money on it. It's so much so that uh, Bayer, which we know is an aspirin company, and we think, oh, it must be a good company, la la la. But it turns out that they just bought Monsanto for $66 billion because they think that it's really lucrative in spite of the fact, and it is really lucrative, in spite $66 billion in spite of the fact that a lawsuit just took place in California last year, last year and a half, in which, for the first time, people, Duane Johnson was a, a school custodian and he a groundskeeper at a public schools in California, and he ended up with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that he proved to the satisfaction of the jury that it was caused by the spraying of Monsanto's Roundup so this stuff is is, you know it causes non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and he was he won the jury award of a quarter uh, a quarter of a billion dollars they awarded partly to punish Monsanto they said that and the judge since has reduced it to like I think 70 million dollars that he won he's allowed to get now and but in spite of that we had Bayer buying Monsanto taking on taking on these huge debts or potential debts all these lawsuits since that lawsuit was won for the first time that now there are 9,000 more lawsuits against Monsanto for people getting sick for dying for developing cancer non Hodgkin's lymphoma leukemia all sorts of major, major health problems, and yet they're willing to risk it because they think it will be pay-off for them in a cost-benefit analysis in the long run in spite of all of that, in spite of all that they're going to have to pay out. And so the second one, the second lawsuit, just started a few weeks ago, and it's being followed on a great website, uh, U.S. right to Know. And Carrie Gillum is one of the people who's mainly uh, following that and reporting on it every day. And here's what the, here's what Monsanto argued in court. Here's what the lawyers for the person who is wounded and injured, here's what they're saying. And it's fascinating and important, not only fascinating but important. And how does that fit into larger politics? That's what the book is about.
1: Larger politics. Okay, so smartphone envy happened to me because we we were talking before the show about. I jokingly We flippantly said something about somebody just drinking some of this stuff, and you said you didn't have the details, and I I said, "Well, as you you know, we were talking about this. I, you know, the fingers go to work, and I put it down when we started the show, and then I just picked it back up because somebody I got a a tweet, so I figured I'd read that too, and um, a thirty-seven-year-old woman." Ingested approximately 500 mLs, which I have one of these medium-sized Gatorade bottles, which has more than 500 A- mLs in it, and was dead within where to go hours. I lost where it said, but and I and, the, and you're you know uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did she drink that? I, doesn't it was the actual like, or uh, is that which website is that the and. Uh, National Health Department or something like that So there's no, like, story behind it. It was just the straight documentation of it. Hmm. I'm just like, but I'm looking at my bottle here thinking, yeah, and it's yellow. It's yellow Gatorade. I'm not sure I want to drink any more of that right now. Um.
0: <laughs> well, but but you have touched on an interesting point, because now they've been finding, the past few weeks, they've been finding Roundup in beer, in wine, and in oatmeal that's oatmeal was a a year ago or so quaker oats is, is uses roundup to dr- as a drying agent and also in some of ben and jerry's ice cream which is shocking so the roundup is turning not in the type of quantities that would kill you immediately but still enough to make you sick over the long term. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait.
0: Man, you're, yeah, yeah. you're, you're killing me. You're killing me tonight. That's my beer.
1: No, I'm thinking as a drying agent. How How is weed killer? I have <laughs> no idea.
0: I don't yeah. understand how that well, works. Well, somebody out there know.
1: needs to explain that to me because that's mind blowing on like every level ever. Okay. And yeah, beer and... Uh, well, now maybe I'll get back to drinking this Gary for a minute. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, better than Gatorade is coconut water, by the way. (laughs) The electrolytes in coconut water are far more than in Gatorade and with less sugar. So there's my pitch for a a product.
1: Uh, And by the way, Gatorade is not paying me to mention them, but they should. Of course, now I'm hearing coconut water is better, so, well, I probably guess. Um, So how, I guess... I obviously know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you anyways. How is, how is this stuff still legal? How is what? How, how is Roundup and all these other chemicals still legal?
0: Uh, good question. That's, uh, that's a $64,000 question. Why is it that governments around the world are allowing the spraying of crops with Roundup and not only crops but in New York City we have a new movement here to, they use Roundup for cosmetic reasons, not even in crops to kill the weeds that grow between the cracks in the sidewalk and, and they just do that rather than hire the workers who used to do it by hand they figure that the chemicalization of, of just weeding will be cheaper or more cost-effective. when It's it's not if you factor in the health issues at all, but they don't do that. So why is it legal? Good question. I have no idea why these mayors, and uh, just on the local level, why don't they ban it outright? So that's one of the pressures we're putting on the mayor of New York right now and around the country. Uh, uh, Just two days ago, I saw that Miami became the first city in the United States to ban Monsanto's Roundup. So that's uh that's a first. And why isn't it banned here? Why isn't it banned in other countries? The only countries as of uh, the writing of the book, which is about a year ago, the there were only 7 countries in the world that banned genetically engineered crops. So and and you probably wouldn't believe which countries they were. Of the seven, I have the list in the book, of the seven, one of the main ones that banned it was Venezuela. I'm not saying the U.S. is going after Venezuela because they won't allow genetically engineered crops to be planted, but that's part of things that we don't expect when we hear about you know, what's going on in Venezuela. Another... Major country that also has banned genetically engineered crops has been Russia, and Putin has been saying that we want to create an organic area of Russia for organic wheat, so that we can compete with the United States and other and Canada and the other countries that use genetically engineered uh, use the sprays on it and that genetically engineer the crops. So. Russia is now poisoning itself, not poisoning, but poisoning itself <laughs> <laughs> to to compete, and and who would think that Russia would do so? Well, Which, it's
1: not—it's not, it's not even compete. If they're, it's, it's not even compete if they're doing it clean.
0: But they, yeah. But it's like, wow. It's just—we don't expect that. Right? There are lots of things in this fight. So why haven't other countries banned it? Well, there's a lot of money involved, a lot of control, a lot of who controls the agriculture of countries. Uh, you know, I used to do some work with around the uh, issue of Haiti. And a while back, we got a document from the International Monetary Fund that we actually... Uh, You don't usually get a smoking gun document, but this one I have. I have it in my computer. It's there. I read it, and so did a lot of other people. And it says that they are intentionally going to try to remove about a third of the people who grow their own food, the peasants in Haiti, so that they could get that land and use it for export crops for the United States and Europe and make money off of it. Uh, cotton, coffee, sugar, and remove those people who had been on the land to export zones where they would work in assembly zones and factories, and in uh, when they used to live on the land and used to grow, you know, sustainable or just for themselves and their immediate community. And so now that land is being stolen and being used for crops for foreign consumption. And this is a, a major issue, not only in Haiti, but uh, we had a document from Haiti where they actually said that, and they said the exact number of people that they were going to try and remove so that they could use that land. But also uh, in other countries as well, and there's a whole war going on in Africa and in Latin America over these questions, over the land question, and who's controlling it? and the use of genetically engineered and sprayed pesticided crops in order to control the land and control what gets produced and then what gets sold back to the united states so even if it was banned here like some of the some of the um... pesticides are banned in the united states even some that Ma- uh, monsanto producers so they're not allowed to produce them here anymore so they go to other countries that ha- are lax on their laws they they do the uh, they create the spraying, they manufacture it the poisons, they spray it on the crops there and then we import it into the United States and eat it so even that way is uh, it's just horrible You know, it just makes you uh, it just makes you want to scream if not something more dramatic
1: I'm still trying to figure out why like I understand weeds are a problem. I get it. I mean, I've I've had a a small garden outside. I get weeds are a problem, right? But I, I never never crossed my mind to modify the plant and m- match it with a chemical. Never never crossed my mind.
0: Right. But this whole idea that science or technology actually more than science somehow is progressive is moving forward only is doing things for the good of people and but that's not always the case especially when it's controlled by private corporations so we have corporations using the technology and or misusing it in order to I don't know, in order to... I don't think they're trying to poison us. I don't think that's their intention. I just think they don't care if we get poisoned in the course of it. And so that's why all these lawsuits are happening now to make them care, to take it out of their paycheck or their their profits. And they, their profits are huge. So, you know, and they're causing cancers. and And this is not something new. These pesticides they derived from nerve gases actually that were developed by the Nazis in World War II organophosphate uh, pesticides so and they were just taken over now they're using as pesticides when they used to be nerve gas so how did it happen that our government allows Roundup as well as Agent Orange it will go back a few years Agent Orange, Dioxin and other deadly chemicals they all have the same series of lies, and the government knows they're lying, but they look the other way to then have credible denial and then and allow them to go on and do what they're going to do and you know I'm not the first to write about that, obviously, there are a lot of people writing about it. Um, Henry David Thoreau wrote about it and was a hundred fifty years ago and and Rachel Carson, of course, and you're out near her in Pittsburgh. Her homestead is uh, the Rachel, Car- Rachel Carson Center, who wrote Silent Spring. And that book was published in 1962. And so that's, what, 50, 60, almost 60 years ago. And, and that helped to get DDT banned. But now they just replaced DDT with an even worse chemical and this is the this is the what I try to address in the book also is that what do we do when we're on a treadmill and we're only going one chemical at a time so we ban it used to be arsenic so we got that banned, and then it became DDT and organochlorines and finally got that banned after a huge movement in the late 50s okay and then uh and that got replaced by organophosphates and pyrethroids and and all of these are horrible they're all endocrine disruptors they all contain cancer causing agents and it's turning out now that in recent studies that Roundup in areas that are sprayed with Roundup they're finding high levels of arsenic of all things so somehow arsenic is in the Roundup or in some formulations of the Roundup. And was that ever told to the government? Was that ever, uh, did they know about it? When did Monsanto know about it, and why didn't they say anything? And why did the government allow them to, Not why did the government not do its own research, which is the way it works here now, is they rely on what the corporations themselves say, and then if somebody complains, then they might check it out a little bit. It's a backwards way of, you know, it's called the precautionary principle, what we are all calling for, farmers, uh, activists, all f- people. Why are things put out there on the market before they're proven to be safe rather than the other way around, which is the way it is now, is they put things on the market, and then if they turn out not to be safe, then there's a big fight over it. You know That seems to me to be a backwards way of doing things. I don't I, know how's that seem to you.
1: It seems very backwards. You know, <laughs> you're, you're leaving me speechless. Was it the horror, the worst thing you could do to me? But it's a good thing that I mean that tells you I'm actually listening and not reading questions when I sit here and, and stumble around and mumble around. And but I talked to Sheldon Crinspy a couple. I guess it was a month ago now.
0: Oh, he's great. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I'm sitting here, and you know, I thought I, I thought after I talked to him, I'd be I'd be good for this one. You know, I'd be ready, not necessarily jumping in the deep end again. Boy, I don't want well, to know. A, I has don't has want to chapter. know. If, I don't want to know if there's another deep end after this. Okay, just leave <laughs> <Right>. me out.
0: <laughs> well, Sheldon has a chapter, Sheldon Krimsky, in the book on how it was that the different international agencies came to take so long in banning or in challenging roundup, and how was it that it took the UN a while and they finally. One of the U.N. agencies, major agencies, finally said that it causes cancer. It's a probable cause of cancer. And that was. And then the Calif- state of California went even stronger, finally, just a couple of years ago. So this is all new, right? And Roundup's been used for 20 years or 30, you know, I think it's 25, something like that, years. So, yeah, so these are, so Sheldon Krimsky addresses that question in the book is, what was the process by which this got declared, declared, finally, cancer-causing? And why aren't governments listening? And why? Because there's money in it, and there's control in it, and there's politics in it, and there's, it's disgusting, and it's sort of a, to me, it's a, an example of the way a lot of things get done in this country. It's not only pesticides. So I try, in part, some of the chapters to look at uh, how, why that's an example of other things, of other processes, other ways of looking at our lives and and try to address that. So if people are interested in getting the book, you could go to thepoliticsofpesticides.com. That's www.thepoliticsofpesticides.com and there are different choices then for you to get the book uh, you could go through Amazon or you could go through which I encourage people to go through their independent local bookstores and there's an option for doing that too and it will take you to a community bookstore near you to get it through that through that way and it's also in Barnes and Noble as well and it's, sort of out there all over the country now it's pretty exciting to see that happening and I've been you know I've been asked to talk in all sorts of places and as I start to go around I am stunned because every single community has an anti pesticides group there are local people everywhere that we never heard about before yet they're organizing the, It's it's an issue that it's not even a minority issue or you know, of like forty percent or forty five percent. It's like eighty percent of the people or eighty five percent don't want to be sprayed. And even the remaining people don't want to be sprayed, but they think well they'll survive it somehow. But it's not, it's poisoning us and it's causing all sorts of ailments. So in the book we have how it part of it we had a few scientists, uh we had uh Robin Esser, Robin Falk Esser, is, writes about how, how it works in the body to go through different pathways and she refutes uh, Monsanto's claims about why it can't hurt people or higher organisms and she just runs it down. We have Dr. Stephanie Seneff who looks at how it could be uh, glyphosate can be an analog for glycine and how it could enter our DNA. Uh, We have several people who work in the chemical industry who have turned and who want to expose these horrors. And so we have that mixed in with activists, and it creates a great, uh, I think, synergistic, I love that word, (laughs) Synergistic uh, mixture of that reinforces each other, of uh, and makes it stronger, of activism and science, real science, not the garbage science that's promoted by these corporations. And and then there's the the other part. I mean, you can't Monsanto doesn't. I I haven't even gone into any of that. How they've been attacking farmers and not allowing farmers to label their food as genetically engineered free or GMO free no GMOs here you can't label that that way without incurring Monsanto filing lawsuits against you and even if they don't win it bankrupts you because you're up against a multi-billion dollar corporation and you're a small family farmer so we had the case famous case of Percy Schmeiser up in Canada who had a canola farm and he didn't spray. He intentionally did not spray any pesticides on his farm. And what happened was that some of it drifted from another farm onto his farm and polluted his crops. little bit polluted his canola and he got arrested by or attacked by Monsanto and dragged to court for stealing Monsanto's proprietary genetically engineered corn sequences, the gene sequences as if that's what he wanted to do or (laughs) as if that's what he was doing. And he lost in court. Monsanto, although it was close, but Monsanto and they've gone after all over the country. They've gone after all sorts of smaller farmers and people who don't have the ability to fight for themselves even if they wanted to against such a multi-billion dollar corporation and i you know this is not new that's the other part that grabs me the history of the lying by the corporation by the just mendacity of even when you catch them in a lie they'll just deny it and it's obvious so they're lying about Agent Orange. It started when Monsanto produced as well as Dow and DuPont produced uh, Agent Orange back when, which is a herbicide used in Vietnam, but not only Vietnam and the dioxin that it produced. They knew about it. They knew it was gonna poison people, which is a you know, it was a war crime to do that. Crime against humanity to and they so they pretended that uh, the government said well we didn't know it would do that and and it poisoned all of our own soldiers as well so it poisoned a million Vietnamese and it poisoned tens of thousands of U.S. soldiers and nothing you know they just get away with it and just their lies and so now Monsanto was merged with Bayer or bought by Bayer for a huge ton of money and it's become the the either the first or the second biggest now seed owner in the world that merger and then DuPont and Dow have merged to form what is it Corteva I think they're calling it now and that's become a huge seed another seed uh, company and then Syngenta I believe has merged with or bought by China uh the major biotech company from China, and they've become so. The three of them, and there's one or two others, have be, they control all the world seeds. It's it's staggering. It, it really what that means is that uh, shortly, unless we do something about it, all the world seeds are going to be controlled. And they're all going to be genetically engineered sprayed and controlled by these several giant international corporations and which means that people small uh people all around the world small farmers others are going to be at the mercy and already at the mercy of these corporations with the help of the governments oh so to get back to one of your questions (laughs) You got me on a roll here.
1: <laughs> it's good. I like it. I mean, it makes my job a lot get easier. get one of your
0: questions <laughs> before. Why doesn't the government do something about it? Well, look who's in the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, look at the revolving door between these corporations and government officials. I mean, we see it now under Trump, for sure, and the Environmental Protection Agency having the heads of it were from the coal industry but not but it wasn't only trump it was under obama and it was under clinton and it was under jimmy carter and it was under george bush it just throughout there's this uh clinton gore were known for those of us in the movement as the administration from monsanto because that's when genetically engineering uh, genetic engineering became widely used and approved. Why was it approved? Because the people writing the new laws came out of the industry. They were appointed by those presidents and other, and to uh, to run the supposedly watchdog industries. And In the book, I go through a whole bunch of them, who these people are, what their names are. They're not known at all. There's uh, one guy, Michael Taylor, who used to work for Monsanto, and I think he still works now again for Monsanto, but he's a good example. He worked for Monsanto. He was pulled to put in place of uh, what agency was it? I don't know. He wrote the laws on genetic engineering for the U.S. government. Then after, he, after a couple of years, then he went back into the industry, and then back again in the next administration. And this goes on and on. is revolving door, and we I mean one of the reasons I wrote the book is not only because it's interesting to me but because we're part of a national and even international movement against pesticides and against genetic engineering of crops and that is so important so I wanted to write a book that would help shape or help guide and give give legs to that movement to help cohere it because it's to try and create a way in which people could see, okay, here's what we need to do to help create a movement that will last and that can stick together and work work together instead of being uh, just bits and pieces all over the place, which is great, but you know, and everywhere, in every community, there are targets that I think people should focus on that are involved in genetically engineered and in pesticides. There are banks that fund these corporations that are in every community. There are agencies everywhere, government agencies as well as uh, smaller type agencies. I just testified uh, last week at the New York City Council hearing the Parks Department saying that they shouldn't get their money that they want in their budget unless they agreed to no longer spray uh, roundup and so now they heard that and now I don't know if anything's going to happen with that but there are several of us who testified to that but it's not only testifying, people take actions, people block spray trucks, people in California uh, in California about 20 years ago when they started spraying for different uh, what was it, different bugs and the marijuana crops in northern california people shot down the helicopters and (laughs) these things there's actually a war of sorts going on and well that was just one example and maybe an isolated example there are many lesser dramatic or lesser violent type of things that people are doing but that are all part of the same movement so, to get back to how I started the question, why did Bayer buy, how does, it, how does it think it's going to recoup its money that's spending $66 billion on purchase of Monsanto? Well, it turns out, and I didn't know the answer to that when I wrote the book, uh, and it's just coming out now, that Monsanto has genetically engineered, succeeded, and creating a genetically engineered marijuana plant, and so there's going to be Roundup Ready marijuana that they're going to spray with all these poisons. People are going to take that into their lungs and get really sick from it. It changes the whole chemistry of the plant. And at the same time, you know, marijuana has been is being legalized in different places all around the country, something that I and many others have fought for. It should be legal, yet it's being either taken advantage of or it's part of a process of allowing the marijuana plant, just like the corn, just like the soy, to be owned and controlled by Monsanto and three or four corporations, Dow, DuPont, Syngenta, ChemChina, and it's all going to be, it already is starting, to all be uh, pesticided, genetically engineered. And we're in trouble. And we, and we need to demand that our government, and again, as I said, this is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. It's not liberal or conservative. It's an issue that affects all of us, that control who has control over what we eat, what we breathe, how we how we um, farm, who's controlling how things are farmed, whether it's monocropped in huge plantations, or whether it's going to be smaller sustainable agriculture that doesn't need to use pesticides.
1: So, um, just follow me, follow, follow, I'll make sure I'm getting all this right, because it's been a a wild fifty minutes here, and we've only got a few minutes left. So I want to make sure, make All sure, I, make sure I've got this picture perfectly clear in my mind. So we've got Monsanto has control of these things. So just follow me here. So they 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 have the seeds. They're trying to control farmers. They they right. they provide the weed killer. They have right. the end game product of the genetically modified food. And now right. now now that we've added bear, when that genetically modified food makes you sick, they're going to provide the medicine. To make you better.
0: Well, that's the other. That's the half of it. That yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the same. So when you eat again the
1: next day, we rinse and repeat. Well, it doesn't matter if you. So the same
0: companies that are producing or manufacturing the poisons that are making us sick and causing cancers in enormous proportions are then manufacturing the so-called drugs to treat. The sicknesses that they're causing and they're just racking in the money hand over fist and and then being allowed to get away with it,
1: it just, well, I just when I on the side of my notebook I just started writing that down and I went oh boy there's no there's it uh, seems like a run-around trade it seems like another word that we used to use I mean especially since I'm from Western Pennsylvania you'll appreciate this word monopoly
0: well, it's not quite a monopoly, but yes, it's an oligopoly. Yeah. It's because um, it's not one corporation controlling the market. It's uh, several. It's like four or five Oh, well, we're getting there, though.
1: You know how this all goes. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> huge
0: concentration of, of control of these seeds and of the spray and of the crops of the food that we eat. And, and using it as in terms of foreign policy as well, so Henry Kissinger famously said, and I think he was accurately reflecting a horrible government policy. He said, "To give food aid to a country just because the people are starving is a pretty weak reason." And so it turns out that all the care uh, or these the packaging that the U.S. sends to the victims in Africa and in of the tsunami in Southeast Asia, all of those were filled with genetically engineered material. And some countries have turned it away, said, we don't want this. And huge pressures are being brought against those countries as a result. So that's part of, uh, you know, you wonder why. So Mexico is a good example to take. Uh, forget the wall for a minute, you know, <laughs> but everyone thinks of that. Well is there a wall against uh u s corporations going into Mexico? <laughs> that would be an interesting wall that uh so the corn from the u s and Mexico has been banning it the genetically engineered corn is but it's somehow some of it has gotten in is being used to undermine the native peoples, the mayan peoples and the areas that the zapatistas in the south of Mexico, in the Lacandona jungle or forest, that those areas and surrounding areas, those are dependent on indigenous corn, has been for millennia. That's how their whole economy is structured around corn. Their art and culture is around the corn. Their food is definitely around it. And the U.S. by underselling the native even the cheap Mexican corn with genetically engineered products is causing a disruption of the entire culture in those areas with the aim of trying to take over the land. People can no longer afford to produce for themselves, can no longer stay on the land. And so they get uprooted. They have to go to the maquiladoras and the factories in the north and the assembly zones. And then there's... Areas get taken over by these corporations, and so Mexico has been fighting against that, trying to resist. And it's interesting to watch it, and more than interesting, it's uh, crucial that we understand how that works. But it's, and so far they've been actually resisting, but it's still getting in there. Been tests done on the corn, and some of the corn has, has turned out to be genetically engineered, even though they have these laws and other countries, too. Now, it seems that there's a a growing consciousness of what these are doing, not only to our health, but in terms of control and politics and food control of the land. So it seems that there's a growing uh, understanding of how that's working and a growing movements all over the world against it. How can these tie together? Can they be united in some way and made to attack all at once the corporations that are causing this to happen? I don't know. The pressures are really great when the U.S. government, you know, comes when they say, we're going to use the military, and other countries don't have anywhere near the capacity to resist, either economically or militarily, and the one reinforces the other. Then it becomes a major major catastrophe for the world, and you know it's and the lies that are being put out there, like even Jimmy Carter has been promoting genetic engineering he, he wrote articles in uh essays in the New york times this is in in the late nineties He wrote why genetic engineering is needed to feed the world as if the reason why has to do that, people are hungry and starving, has to do with not enough food being produced. But that's not true. There is enough food. Uh, Francis Moore LaPay and Food First, Joseph Collins, they all showed how there's way more food being produced and it doesn't need this artificial genetic engineering. So that just becomes an excuse in order to combine the pesticides with the genetic engineering make a fortune when you genetically engineer something like Monsanto does they then you can't replant the seeds you're not allowed to it's against the law to replant the seeds that you normally would replant if you're a farmer you have to buy them again from Monsanto because they own the patent the private patent on the genetic sequence in these plants it's just far it's just what a what a scheme <laughs> <laughs> so, so
1: Mitchell, before, before I we... I mean, I laugh. I
0: laugh, but it's not funny. But well, it's, well, so it's either so laugh or up. cry
1: at this point, and I think laughing yeah. is probably better off for us. We've got yeah. about under two minutes left, so give me the plug for the book again.
0: Okay, so the name of the book is The Fight Against Monsanto's Roundup, The Politics of Pesticides. It has a foreword by Vandana Shiva, and it's I wrote it, The most of the book, uh, or, no, I didn't write most of the book. I wrote seven chapters in the book, and then we have about a dozen other people who have written sections of it. You could get the book. It's put out by Skyhorse, and you could get the book by going to the politics of www. the politics of pesticides. dot com, and you could go there and find out more. And I was hoping that we were going to get phone calls today, or uh, we could answer questions via phone. Well, but I guess
1: we, there's no time left. We we, we, <laughs> we, 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 I'll bring you back and we can do that. How's that sound? Okay, This hour goes fast, man. Trust me, we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll get that set up. Um, and especially, thank, big thanks to Nick over at Skyhorse for setting us up because uh, I totally needed this headache I have now. Um, <laughs> 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 no, he's a good guy. Well, well, Mitchell, thanks, and I'll, I'll be in touch. We'll get that figured out.
0: Well, thank you, Jim, so much. This is great. I love being on your show it's wonderful
1: thank you sir have a good night thank you good night so so be looking forward to that I am going to bring him back we're going to I'm going to throw open the phone lines I don't normally let like, guests do that but I I'm going to try i got to do some demo stuff first before I do that to make sure I can actually do what I need to do to do that other thing let's have some fun getting close to 400 getting close to 8 years on the air let's start pumping let's start having a good time have a good night the views and opinions expressed on the mallard report are those of the host and participants for past shows social media links and so much more visit mallard.com m-a-l-l-i-a-r-d.com and thanks for listening